Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to tell you about one of our family members. We haven't really talked about her very much, but when she was a baby, uh, she, she actually never crawled. Like she walked really early, which was really kind of cool. Um, when she was like eight or nine weeks old, though, uh, if you set her down on the floor, she would pee like all over the place, um, which was not great. Uh, when she got her first teeth, she would bite everything, just bite everything. Like she would just bite your finger off. And, uh, and so I, I, I'm excited today to introduce you to Molly. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this is a terrible picture. It's like, gosh, did we even have cameras back then? But uh, this was, um, she's going to be, well, I'll tell you in a minute, but this is the day that we got her. Bailey, our daughter, is holding her. She was nine weeks old here. I got another picture of Molly. Um, she was about three years old here. Look how pretty she is. A golden mix um, out there in the grass, enjoying life. And this is from a couple of months ago because she is now almost 14 years old. She's 14 this month. And... Isn't she sweet? She's got gray, though, in her face, and she's really slowed down, and her hips are really tight and, and, and tough and, uh, to, to deal with. She's had a tough time walking, tough time going up the steps. Uh, we recently bought her a little carrier so that if we have to lift her, we can do that. It's like a little thing. She goes under her waist, and we could sometimes kind of pick her up to get her in the car. And so, I mean, uh, she's the, you know, if you're a pet person, you know, right? Like, like, they're amazing. And I've been thinking about her some during this series on heaven, because today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our top questions, at least some of them, our top questions about heaven. Like, I, I just want to go through some of those today. We've, we've taken three weeks to talk about what heaven is like. I would highly encourage you to go through this, uh, the, the last messages, not because you need to hear my voice, but, but there's so much good content and good uh, Bible information about what heaven is really like, and we've been doing that during this series. But what I want to do today is talk through some of these questions. And, and one of these questions that I have, as we have as pet owners, is this first question. It's a big one, all right? It's a big one for some of us anyway. Will animals be in heaven? Like, I want to go through some questions today. Will animals be in heaven? Will my pet be with me again? For some of us, it's just kind of a sentimental question and, or it's a whatever question, and you aren't pet owners, and that's okay. Uh, but for those of us who have pets, it's, it's kind of an important question. Kids ask this question a lot. And so I just want to take a few minutes, like I said, and walk through some of the, um, some of the most important questions that we have. Now, um, here's what I want to say. The Bible talks a lot about animals. The Bible actually talks a lot about animals. Uh, uh, they're the second most important uh, inhabitants of this earth, and God entrusted them to us. And, and here's a passage from the book of Isaiah. It says this, uh, from Isaiah 11, it says, the wolf, this is what it's going to be like, and he's looking ahead to the end times. He's actually looking ahead to the new earth. He's saying this is what the new earth is going to be like. And in other words, the heaven, when it's finally realized, is going to combine with uh, earth being renewed, and it's going to be this amazing place that we get to live in. Um, and, and he says this is what it's going to be like, and this is amazing to me. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. And he goes on to say that this is why, I don't even understand this. The infant will play near the cobra's den. That doesn't seem safe. 
It seems kind of awful, but that, that, but the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest, and he and he won't get bit. He was saying they will neither harm nor destroy. Um, on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so it's this idea that eternity, like, like, is, is it going to include mankind and actually animals in a redeemed earth? In, in Genesis 2, and I'm going to give you, by the way, a lot of scripture today. Just hang with me because it's all really important and there's so much to say. Genesis 2, it, uh, the Lord God had formed out of the ground. Okay, so out of the ground, he formed all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And so animals and um, Adam were formed out of the ground. They were both actually formed out of the ground. And and the uh, early story in Genesis says that God breathed his spirit into Adam and gave him breath. And, and made him into a living being. That word in Hebrew is this word nefesh. Nefesh, and it's translated as a living being. It made, created Adam a, in, as a living being. And in other places, it's actually translated soul. It's, a, it's like the, the God infused into mankind his soul. Now, the interesting thing there is that that same word, nefesh, is actually used for animals too. I, I mean, I'm not saying that animals have a human soul. Like, they don't. But... It's interesting to think about. And, and, and likely, maybe they have like a non-human kind of soul. And I'm telling you, this is like from the scripture. Um, animals are important to the kingdom of God. They just are. We see them praising God. And, and like in Psalm 148, it says this, um, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all the rulers, on earth. And then it says young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise all of them. So the animals and all the people. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And so I don't know how this happens, but animals praise God. Like like animals show God glory. In, in the book of Revelation 21, he says, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new, Jesus says. That includes not only us, but it includes all the creatures around us. Um, C.S. Lewis, we've been quoting a lot of C.S. Lewis, who was an amazing 20th century thinker who thought and wrote a lot about heaven. In his book, The Great Divorce, there's a woman named Sarah Smith, and she's a normal, average kind of person on earth, but when she's in heaven, she's like this amazing, in- incredible person. Uh, this, uh, she's great in heaven, and it shows her, it depicts her as, uh, Lewis decides to depict her as with all of the animals that she cared for on earth around her in heaven. Uh, like, like he thought that they would be with her there. So I say yes, okay? I say yes, our pets will be with us in heaven. Okay, so I wanna take on another, um, one of the most serious questions actually uh, that there is about um, not just heaven, but about hell, okay? Um, we've been talking a lot about heaven, but what about, what about hell? Um, what about hell? Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what the Bible says about this. ACDC had something to say about this, the band. And that's going to be in your mind for the rest of the morning. Some of you, anyway. They said, I'm on the highway to, the highway to hell. Okay, let's talk about it. None of us um, really want to believe in hell. I, I, I wish that it didn't exist. And this is one of those, out of anything that, that I wish didn't exist, it was this. Uh, but we tend to feel, but let's talk about what the Bible really says. We tend to think, um, well, all the good people are going to heaven. All the bad people are going to hell. That is not what the Bible talks about when it talks about hell. 
Um, Jesus spoke a lot about it. In fact, he spoke more than anyone else in the Bible about uh, the existence of hell. And I'm going to share a few passages with you about what he said. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 13 and 14, here's what he says. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. He says only a few find that. Only a few find it. Now, let me say this. What keeps us out of heaven? It's not God. It's us. Um, In the book of Romans chapter 3, Paul says it like this. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says it like this too. He says that sin separates us from a relationship with God. Uh, he's so holy, he's so perfect that it, he can't allow sin in his presence. And so the, the point is this, that we cannot enter heaven as we are without God's help. Heaven is not our default destination. That there's a sin issue that had to be fixed. There's a sin issue that has to be fixed for us. Otherwise, our default destination is hell. That is a scriptural, biblical thing to say. It's not a popular thing to say, but it is what it says. And uh, like, like I, I, you and I, we need to know that we're going to heaven and, and not anywhere else. Like We need to know that. So we're going to talk that through a little bit here today. Um, there's some passages that I'm not going to read this morning that if you want to read these, you're welcome to. A screen to you take, a, take a snapshot of these or whatever if you want to do a little more reading on all the places that the Bible talks about this. But um, one of the things it kind of describes is, is just a place of, um, of hopelessness, a place of hopelessness, of, of godlessness. And it's not like a giant lounge, okay, that we kind of feel like it's described in culture, it's like this giant hangout place where we're sitting around talking about what heaven, or like, like what, what earth used to be like and the things we used to do while we kick back a cold one. It's not like that, Okay, it's not like that. It's punishment with no hope and we should be concerned. Like we should be concerned about ourselves. We should be concerned about our family and our friends. We should be concerned about our world. The the thing about it is this. If we really understood God's holiness, if we really understood his holiness, and if we really had a handle on our own depravity, we'd be shocked that actually anyone was allowed into heaven if we really understood the difference between those two things. And so a few more passages about where where Jesus speaks about this. In Matthew chapter 10, he says this, um, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Like I said, Jesus says more than anyone else in the Bible about the existence of hell. He also says this um, in Matthew 13, Uh, As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Um, The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then in Mark chapter 9, he goes on to say this. He says, "If, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And so he says this about hell. He says it's a literal place. Uh, He says it's a place of great suffering. He says it's a place with no hope. Um, Again, C.S. Lewis, he said this. He said, I've met 
no people who fully disbelieved in hell and also had a living and life-giving belief in heaven. Um, so again, I, 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 it's like we don't want to believe it, but according to the Bible, it's reality and it's something that everyone needs to deal with. And in a few minutes, uh, after I walk through a few more questions, in a few minutes, I'm going to walk through how to ensure that you've connected your life to Jesus' offer of hope. Okay? But that's some thoughts. Those are some thoughts from the Bible around what about hell. There's another question I want to ask too, and uh, it's something that we think about a lot when it comes to heaven, and, and, it's, and it's, we actually think about it sometimes on Sunday mornings because we're here in a, in a worship service, like in a worship experience, and the question that comes up sometimes is this, will heaven be one long worship service? Um, and, and the alternate question to that is, what are we going to do every day? One of the things that the Bible talks about is this concept of rest. And uh, we think about that with heaven. I mean, most of us will say, oh yeah, we're just going to, like, eternal rest. But there's this idea in the book of Hebrews where it, it talks about this place. And, and I want to ask you, I mean, like, where are you totally relaxed? Like, what places in life do you get where you're totally relaxed? I love being down at the beach and just having nothing to do, really. But there's always an end to it, isn't there? There's always, you always got to come home. There's always work. There's always something happening. There's always something to do. Where are you totally relaxed? And, and uh, I, I wonder if in heaven we're just going to have that feeling permanently, that feeling constantly. Um, Eden was this picture of heaven. The, the Garden of Eden was this picture of heaven. And in a lot of ways, we're just trying to get back. It's this, this, this beautiful uh, uh, sort of drawing we have in the Bible of what heaven is like. You know what was going on in Eden? Rest was going on in Eden. But also, you know what was going on in Eden? Work. Work was happening in Eden. Like, work was given before the curse. When uh, Adam and Eve sinned and they chose to, to disobey, they, they chose to bite that apple and they chose to turn their backs on God, uh, a curse was brought onto the entire world through that act of sin that we all participated in as well. And one of the things that was cursed was work. And, and, and work was this idea of, of something that became menial, it became frustrating, it became difficult. But work, like meaningful work, existed before all of that, before the curse. And so one of the things that we're going to be uh, ha having with us during the day and, and uh, like all the time is rest, but we're also going to have meaningful work. In Genesis 3, it says this. Um, it says, uh, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. It goes on to say, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. This is when work got cursed. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. And then uh, by the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you will return. Anybody got a hard job in here right now? Like anybody's job difficult? Uh, anybody ever had a hard job? This is why, okay? This is, this is why work was cursed but it's not gonna be that way forever. It's not going to be that way forever, and we are going to participate in meaningful work. In the book of Revelation uh, 22, it says this, no longer will there be any curse. So there's coming this point where Jesus ends the curse in this world. Like, but starting with what he did on the cross and continuing through, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Serve. It's like a verb. Right? That word serve in there is a verb. Servants. We're going to be servants of God. And servants are, are a couple things. Servants are active. Servants are occupied. They're active and they're occupied. We're God's image bearers. 
okay? You are God's image. His, his fingerprint is on your life. He is the creator. You know what that means? You have the image of the creator on your life. That means that you are a creative person by nature. And you might go, oh, I'm not creative. I can't. That's not true. You might not be able to like, you know, paint, paint a, a, an incredible masterpiece on this ceiling right here, all right? But you can do creative things because God's the creator. So you don't have a choice in that matter. You are creative. We're all creators. I get great joy when I work during the week and great joy when I write. And, and it's not always easy. Sometimes it's hard and, and uh, it's not always fun, but it's rewarding. We're all creators. And that is going to be something that we hang on to that happens in heaven. In fact, there's this parable that Jesus tells about uh, a, a guy who was, was working and he talks about kind of when he gets to the end of his life, what happens, and he says this. Jesus says, um, well, you got, to the, you, 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 uh, you got to the end of your life. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And he's talking about that at the end of his days, like, like after he's gone. He's saying There's gonna, you're, you're gonna have even more to do. You're gonna have even more uh, responsibility and it's gonna be an amazing kind of thing. It's gonna be a joyful kind of thing. It's gonna be something you want to do. You ever had a, a job that has that kind of sense or that kind of feeling? You ever had a task or something that, that you've done that feels like, oh my gosh, I want to do more of that. That's what it's gonna be like. That's what it's gonna be like. And I love that idea that there's always gonna be another thing to do. There's always gonna be an adventure to have. And those are the things that are ahead of us. You'll always have creative work to do. Like we've been given this, like we're gonna be given things to build and to develop and to, to, we're gonna be able to plant and, and develop things as we see fit, even to a greater degree than here. Will heaven be one long worship service? No, will we worship God there? Yes. Will it be one long service that we sit in and we feel like we're bored? No, I think there's this idea sometimes that, oh my gosh, it just sounds so boring like heaven. And, and those are the cultural descriptions that we have, but none of those are accurate. None of those are accurate. Let me ask another question here too. Um, and I'll just say a few things about this. What will our bodies be like? Right? What will our bodies be like in heaven? Well, what the Bible says is this, that we're gonna have actually real physical bodies, free from the curse though. Like, like free from the curse. So we're not just gonna be a spirit floating around. We're gonna have real physical bodies. I don't know how that's gonna work. It just says that these are gonna be redeemed, restored bodies. I mean, can I get an amen? Like for my <laughs> breaking down body people around here. My, my eyes are getting worse and worse. Like I had to get readers recently. You know, like readers. <laughs> I should have them with me now. There's gonna be probably a couple weeks I won't even be able to see this, okay? Uh, our bodies are breaking down, but they're going to be renewed. There's this promise that they're gonna be restored, they're gonna be renewed. And, and we haven't yet seen anyone who's not under the curse. You know, if you, if you think um, someone in your life is really beautiful, or they think about the most beautiful person you've ever seen, you've still just seen somebody who's living under the curse, okay? And it's, and it's just gonna be different. We'll still have uniqueness about us. We'll still have skin color. We'll still have racial identity. We'll also have health and energy and freedom and strength and no disease and no cancer and none of that stuff. And it's gonna be amazing. Just a few thoughts on what our bodies will be like. Let me ask um, another question. Will there be marriage and families and friends in heaven? How will we relate to each other. Well, um, 
being in heaven, being on the, like the, the new earth that we're talking about, it doesn't erase history. It doesn't er- erase your memory. It doesn't erase uh, those kind of things. And it's, it's, it doesn't mem- minimize that we were members of families here, that, that we're members of families, families here. So um, my, my daughter and my, my daughters, my sons, uh, my parents, uh, they're always gonna be those people to me. In fact, we'll just have a m- more family. Like our, our family will kind of be like our best friends and our friends are gonna be like our family and it's just gonna be um, more family together and it's gonna be amazing. What about marriage? There, there was a, um, a question that Jesus was asked one day where these guys that were kind of religious rulers, the, the Sadducees were trying to trap him. And so they asked him this question about marriage and here's how he responded. Um, basically, they said, uh, they pointed to this woman who had seven husbands, and they, and they basically said, now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, of the seven husbands, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied to them, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. He said, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. He said, you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. But it's not that there won't be marriage, it's just that it's gonna look way different. There will be one marriage between Christ and his bride. There'll be one marriage that we look toward between Christ and his bride, and we're all in some mysterious way a part of that. Um, marriage doesn't replace, it's, it's been said that marriage doesn't replace heaven but it points us toward it. Like marriage here doesn't replace heaven, but it can, it can prepare us for it like a signpost pointing ahead. It's like a glimmer of what's to come. And, and when marriage is amazing and it's working really, really well, that's just this glimmer of what is to come in, in our lives. And somehow this union with Christ that we're gonna have is gonna be completely satisfying and we'll still be connected with our family and it's all gonna work out. It's all gonna work out. Um, I got two more questions, two more heaven questions. This next one's really important, at least it is to me. Will there be sports and <laughs> arts, entertainment and literature in heaven? That's an interesting question, right? Will there be sports, arts, entertainment and literature? Um, I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. When you look at, like Revelation chapter 14 says this. It says, I heard the sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And so, so he hears this music coming from heaven. Like he's got this vision. This is John, right? And so God's given him this vision of heaven and he, he hears this incredible sound and that's a great description. It says they sang a new song. The band played a new song today. Um, they sang a new song though before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. Um, So there's gonna be music in heaven. There's gonna be all kinds of new songs that are happening. There's gonna be incredible artists that are creating uh, not only, I think, music, but I think other things too. I think there's gonna be dancing in heaven. I think the Bible's pretty clear about that. Sorry to the Baptist pastor in Footloose, right? (laughs) Jokes for a certain age range. Sorry, young people. Uh, There's gonna be stories, right? Like the Bible's full of stories where God says, can I remind you of my faithfulness? Can I remind you of how how great I am? Can I remind you of what I've done? 
That's going to continue on. Those stories are going to continue to get told in new and different and maybe even better ways than we have now. And so there's going to be stories that are told. We're going to be sitting around and telling stories of what God has done and, and what his grace means and, and, and how he rescued us. And, and the greatest stories of all are about those things, right? Like the greatest stories in this world are about rescue from, from when someone is struggling and at the end of their rope. All of those things are a picture of what God has done. Like when we tell stories in movies and books about rescue, about redemption, that is from the heart of God. Like that sense that taps into your heart when you go, oh my goodness, that's why I love the Marvel movies so much. <laughs> because they're about rescue and redemption. And that's part of God's fingerprint on your life. And you know, even in those things that are just in our world, right? They're not about Jesus or maybe they're pointing to him because he is about rescue and redemption and recovery. And, and that resonates with us. That's why Hollywood has figured that out and they tell these stories all the time. They know that it resonates with humankind. Those stories are gonna continue on and we're gonna continue to tell those in all kinds of ways. I think in books and in songs and in stories and in painting and in all kinds of ways. And I think we're gonna also continue to have these encounters with Jesus. And they're gonna get even greater and better. And they're gonna be these adventures that we can go on. I mean, I, I just think we've gotta open up our mind when it comes to thinking about what heaven is gonna be like. And the reason we're even talking about this, right, is because how we think of heaven impacts our lives here. It impacts how you live. It impacts the decisions that you make. It impacts whether you see your life is just for the here and now and then poof, it's gone. Or no, it's more like uh, a couple weeks ago when I brought out that rope and I had the one end of the rope painted, just a little bit of it painted red and the rest of it was this really long rope of white and it's like, we're crazy to just live for that red part, right? We're crazy to just live for our lives here when there's all of eternity behind us. We're gonna be telling stories about that for uh, forever into eternity. And I think we're gonna be competing with one another and, and challenging one another, encouraging one another, but in the best of ways, in the best of, of ways. I also think this, we're gonna laugh a lot. We're gonna laugh a lot. Uh, one of our core values, like one of our actually stated core values in this church is that church should be fun. Like church should be fun and that's why we're gonna be laughing a, a lot. In fact, Martin Luther, one of the, the, the great uh, people of our faith who impacted it so much said this. He says, this is hundreds of years ago, right? If you're not allowed to laugh in heaven, I don't wanna go there. <laughs> right? And what he was saying was there's gonna be a lot of laughter in heaven. There's gonna be a lot of laughter in heaven. Um, let me ask the last question here. And, and let me say it like this. How do I know if I'll um, be in heaven? Can we talk about this? Can we just be honest about this? How do I know if I'll be in heaven? I wanna share a few more verses with you and, and they just spell out how you can know. So if you're here today and you're wondering, I don't really know because I kind of thought it was good people go to heaven, bad people go to the other place and that's not how it works. In fact, this is how it works. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death. Like the cost of my sin whether I sin one time or, or a million times, is death. Like something has to be paid for it. It costs something. The wages of it is death. That's the bad news, okay? 
We talk about the good news a lot. We gotta understand the bad news first, and that is the bad news. But, and thank God for this, but, uh, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8 says it like this. Here's what happened, okay? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is how much he loves us, in other words. Paul is saying, this is how much he loves you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what was happening on the cross. You were on his mind when he hung there. You were on his mind. And if you had been the only one, he still would have gone there. He still would have gone there. Not as a nice thing to do, not as some other, because the wages of sin is death and somebody had to pay it. And he decided, well, it's either you or it's me. Let it be me. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What do we do with that, right? Like, what do we do with, with that? Well, the, uh, the scriptures are clear on that as well. In Romans uh, 10, if you declare with your mouth, like, here's how. He's telling you how. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not if you um, take this class and figure these things out, if you memorize these verses, it's not if you uh, do more good things than bad things, or if you're a little better than your neighbor, or uh, well, at least I'm not Jeffrey, I mean, I know I'm not like, like uh, Mother Teresa, but I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer either, so I'm sort of in the middle there. None of that. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it, that's it. That's it. And then one more verse. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, that's the justification through faith, that last verse, that, that declaration of faith, and then your justification with God happens as a result. Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to give you an opportunity to simply respond. Can we go back to the verse, um, Jerry? Uh, Romans 10, or 5, 8, sorry. Um, yeah, if you declare with your mouth, sorry, Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's just, let's just keep that up there for a minute. Um, I want to invite you to pray with me. There's nothing magic about a prayer. Uh, it's, it's you connecting with God. It's you saying this for yourself. I can't say this for you. Your grandmother can't do this for you. It's not uh, you growing up in the church and that covers you. It's, it's, it's none of those things. It's about you and God, right? Like it's just you and him. And so the invitation that he gives us is to declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. And so I'm going to pray um, uh, with you, give you a, a way to pray here, give you some space to pray here. And the invitation is for you. Uh, to invite him to uh, rule and to live in your life and making this declaration. And he says, um, you wanna be with me in paradise, you wanna be with me now. This is the pathway, this is that narrow pathway forward. Um, so if you're ready to do that, I'm, I'm gonna offer that prayer for you. I wanna ask you to just uh, take it seriously and uh, take this, this moment in your life and, 
uh, I'm going to invite God to work and move in, in, a, in a mighty way in this place and trust that he does. So um, would you pray with me? Father, um, I'm declaring with, with my mouth right now, but my invitation is to my friends here to declare that as well. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And I'm going to also just say, I believe in my heart, God. I believe in my heart that you um, raised Jesus from the dead. You raised Jesus from the dead. God, um, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I trust what you did on the cross was for me and was the only way back to you. I praise your name. I lift you up and I give my life to you today. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.